This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today's Tuesday, May 2nd, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, the conserved endocannabinoid anandamide modulates olfactory sensitivity to induce hedonic feeling in C. elegans is in current biology. The study found that after soaking worms in an endocannabinoid bath, the worms preferred to eat nutrient-rich rather than nutrient-poor bacteria. The worms then fed for longer than worms not exposed to endocannabinoids or worms without working endocannabinoid receptors. This shared trait between worms and humans points to deep evolutionary origin of cannabinoid receptors and behaviors influenced by the molecules. Next is a study in respiratory research titled Estimated Electronic Cigarette Menthol Flavoring is Associated with Increased Inhaled Micro and Submicron Particles and Worse Lung Function in Combustion Cigarette Smokers. This study utilized a novel robotic platform, Human Vaping Mimetic Real-Time Particle Analyzer, to identify the inhalation toxicological potential of electronic cigarettes. With the addition of menthol flavoring to e-liquid base, enhanced particle counts were found in participants using menthol versus non-menthol electric cigarettes. Results indicate a link between enhanced inhaled counts for menthol and worsening lung function as well. This study further demonstrates the ability of the robotic platform as a technology that supports reliable prediction of the pulmonary toxicology potential of emerging electronic cigarettes. A new study in microbiology spectrum is titled Oral Probiotic Expressing Human Ethanol Dehydrogenase Attenuates Damage Caused by Acute Alcohol Consumption in Mice. In this study, the authors evaluate the impact of an oral recombinant probiotic that secretes alcohol dehydrogenase. In a mice model, the probiotic had multiple effects, notably increased alcohol tolerance, increased threshold for intoxication, reduced recovery time from alcohol, and decreased alcohol absorption in the gastrointestinal tract. While early in development, the authors note the potential for use in humans to attenuate the effects of alcohol and decrease risk of poor outcomes like non-alcoholic fatty liver and cirrhosis. Next, we have a study in drug and alcohol dependence titled Antecedents of Fatal Overdose in an Adult Cohort Identified Through Administrative Record Linkage in Indiana, 2015-2022. to The study found that out of nearly 14,000 overdose deaths, nearly two-thirds had an emergency department visit in the year prior, followed by prescription medication dispensing, EMS response, jail booking, and prison release. For prison release, approximately 1 of 100 died from drug overdose within 12 months, and for EMS response, the rate was 1 of 1,000. These results identify opportunities for intervention to reduce overdose deaths by providing care following prison release and offering medications for opioid use disorder following EMS response. A new study in Journal of Substance Abuse and Treatment is titled Expanding Access to Treatment for Stimulant Use Disorder in a Frontier State. Treatments for Individuals Who Use Stimulants, Contingency Management, was implemented throughout Montana, including rural and urban communities. Qualitative and quantitative data support that providers viewed the contingency management component as beneficial for treatment retention and improved outcomes for people with stimulant use disorder. These implementation study results provide insight into challenges and solutions for providers who are considering the implementation of contingency management within either a state-approved substance use treatment clinic or a federally qualified health center. The next article is in JAMA, titled Treating Opioid Use Disorder in Patients Who Are Incarcerated. 
This viewpoint offers the case of an incarcerated patient admitted to the hospitalist service with an injection-related infection. Historically, there is no interference from jail staff with treatment for those infections or other medical issues. Yet this jail and many others restrict the use of buprenorphine. Extended-release naltrexone may be the only option, though it is the only medication for opioid use disorder not shown to reduce mortality among patients with the disorder. The authors argue that, with these prohibitions in place, and when treatment is desired by the patient, when the medication reduces opioid withdrawal and cravings, and when such treatment is not a limited resource, the carceral system imposes a violation of medical ethics. Our next article, titled Stress-Related Neuropeptide Systems as Targets for Treatment of Alcohol Addiction, is in the Journal of Internal Medicine. Currently, there are limited medications for treatment of alcohol use disorders, and treatment has focused on targeting the reward system and attenuating the positive reinforcement of alcohol use. In this perspective, the author suggests instead targeting the negative reinforcement effects from the absence of alcohol that incentivize relapse and continued use. Combining these efforts with medications focused on reward attenuation could be transformative for treatment. Our final article, titled Harm Reduction and Recovery Services Support to Mitigate the Opioid Overdose Epidemic in a Rural Community, is in Substance Abuse Treatment, Prevention, and Policy. This study surveyed 338 residents of a rural county in northwestern South Carolina regarding their knowledge of opioid use disorder and their attitudes towards harm reduction services. Out of nine items regarding harm reduction services, respondents on average agreed with only four. Support for syringe service programs was at 42% and 45% for safe consumption sites. Belief that opioid use disorder is a disease was the strongest predictor of support for harm reduction services. Belief in medications for opioid use disorder efficacy was the next strongest. The authors suggest education of the general public about opioid use disorder as a disease, targeting the older population. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.